episode of the D Will Show. I am your host, D Will, and this is episode 135. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast YouTube channel, the D Will Show. I have 100 plus episodes out there for you guys to take in uh, for former NBA players, current NBA players, coaches, upcoming high school stars, and more. Um, also, follow and like us, uh, the D Will Show, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google. Uh, be sure to give me a five stars, you know, share it with your loved ones. Um, the content that we have for you guys. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor for this episode, uh, 27 Horizon. Connecting your business to New Horizons, contact 27 Horizon for all of your creative design needs and book them today to make your event one to remember with any DJ or photo services. DM 27 Horizon for more info. But tonight, I have a legendary episode for you guys. I have the former Wabazi head basketball coach who has accumulated over 600 plus wins. Um, he led the Chiefs to a region four crown and to the NJCAA Division II National Tournament six times. Um, he has a dozen conference titles. Uh, he led 17 of his squads, has 20 more win seasons, 20 or more win seasons. Um, he has been inducted into the NJCAA Region Four Hall of Fame, the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame, the West Aurora Athletic Hall of Fame, uh, the Illinois Skyway Collegiate Conference Hall of Fame, and he has won Region 4 Basketball Coach of the Year six times, six times. He was all upstate eight performer at West Aurora High School where his team finished third in state. He went on to play at Eastern Wyoming Junior College where he led, uh, led the nation in scoring as a sophomore. Uh, he then transferred to help me out with this coach. How is it? But Bemidji, Bemidji, yeah, Bemidji State. State. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Minnesota, where he was all Northern Sun Conference in his final two years. He also was the head coach of the Wabanzi Golf Team, where he led his golfers to five ISCC titles and a pair of Region Four Division titles. Everybody, please help me welcome to the show the legendary Coach Heist. Coach Heist, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for, for taking time out to come onto the platform. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me on. No, for sure. For sure. It's definitely an honor. Um, Coach, let me ask you this, Coach. After reading off that long bio of yours, what does what does all of that mean to you? Uh, you know what? And, I, and I've shared this over the years with a lot of the reporters. You know, yeah, I won a lot of games. We won a lot of championships. But for me, you know, at this stage in, in my life, it's it's about the relationships that I've able to able to develop and maintain with my former players and to watch them grow into, uh, you know, young men that uh, they're they're a husband now, they're a father, they're a coach or they're successful in the working world. Um, you know, that, 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 that means more to me than any championship trophy that, uh, that I accumulated over my years. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, coach, you know, to get started, uh, with your story, can you just kind of take us through your upbringing, you know, where you're from, where you're rooted from, and then we'll just go from there. Well, I, I grew up in Aurora my entire life. Um, uh, started playing basketball at a very young age. I had, uh, two older brothers that were basketball players, um, Followed, you know, the uh, West Roar basketball tradition. You know, I used to listen to the West Roar games on the on the radio. Uh, Neil Orman, who's still doing the games today, used to announce the games. And this was, you know, this goes back to the early 70s. 
when uh, Matt Hicks played in 73, John Bryant played in 73. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, I stay in contact with uh, John Bryant. Uh, I talk to Matt whenever I see Matt out and about. But I, I was just talking to John the other day, and we were talking about how good the Upstate 8 was. Yeah. When Elgin was good back then. Elgin Larkin was good back then. East Aurora was good back then. St. Charles was good back then. DeKalb was good back then. And, uh, you know, I think one of the best high school state tournament games I ever saw was when uh, West Aurora beat Elgin in triple overtime in the mm -hmm. quarter 1973 um, uh, state tournament. So, yeah, so, yeah, so I just, you know, I started playing ball and um, would uh, always go up to West Aurora High School. That was before. You know, they had the AAU stuff. So you'd go up there and, and you'd watch the older guys play. And then you you would wait your turn when someone would, you know, have enough and they need to pick up another guy. So they'd grab one of you, even though you only were like a freshman. And But, you know, that that's how you learned how to play the game back then. You know, you, you yeah. learned from a lot of the older guys. And, uh, you know, they taught you a lot. And, uh, you know, they made you tougher playing with those guys. Absolutely. Was basketball always in your plans, coach, coming up? You know, did you play any other sports? Like what? I, yeah, I was a pretty good football player. But, you know, um, when you get to high school, unless, you know, you're a heck of an athlete, you know, like a, like a Ter Terrence Smith or Cam at West Aurora, you know, you kind of kind of specialize. So I played football in junior high, I was quarterback, linebacker. And then uh, when I got to high school, I just kind of uh, focused on basketball. OK, OK. Do you have a particular moment? Uh, in your career coach where you kind of you know made your final decision like okay basketball this is what i want to do i know you spoke on your brothers playing ball too but was that always in your plans like you know i want to follow behind my family and keep the tradition going yeah i mean I, you know i remember growing up and and uh we lived across the street from uh saint rita's church and they had a, a full court basketball court and it would be the winter months and it would be so cold you know you had gloves on and the ball wouldn't bounce but you still played i mean that's, yeah. that's much you know, myself and my brothers and some of the other guys in the neighborhood, you know, uh, you know, we love to play. We didn't have access to the gyms that the kids have access to today. Yeah. Growing up um, in your time, coach, was was segregation still a, a part of of the culture then? And if so, like, did you see it, you know, on the basketball court and stuff like that? I, I really didn't see it because I, I was brought up in a family where, you know, you just didn't look at that. Um, my dad was the principal up at the girls' school in okay. Geneva. And okay. uh, he used to take us up there swimming uh, on Sundays because I used to let, let the girls swim. So, I, you know, I was brought up around diversity, you know, at a very young age. And okay. uh, um, I, so, you know, it probably, you know, it probably was around, but it wasn't okay. around, you know, in our family because we just didn't look at it that way. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, coming to going to a powerhouse basketball uh, program like like West Aurora, um, you know, what kind of led to your decision going to West Aurora? You know, um, playing for you know the legendary Coach Kirkman. Well, it, it's just like the kids over on the East Side back in the day. I mean, that that was you know that was your dream. You know, to someday play for West Aurora, and if you're if you lived on the East Side, play for East Aurora and. You know, even even you know, like Aurora Central had some good teams back in the '70s and '80s, and Marmion had some good teams back in the '70s. So that was some, something that you just always, you know, when you were listening to the games on the radio, 1280 WMRO, um, you know, that was you, you were kind of 
putting yourself in, in in your putting yourself in those situations like you were playing in the game at a young age. You know, I can remember listening to those games 10, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think that's everyone's dream. You know, I, and I think the thing that I like to see that I've liked, that I've, that I've liked to seen that uh, I believe Mike Fowler has brought back at West Rory is, you know, it's, uh, you know, th- there's an expectation, there's a culture that's already been created you know, and I think, you know, a lot of these young kids don't understand that like we used to understand it. You know, it's yeah. not the name that's on the back of the jersey, but you're playing for the guys before you. On the yeah. front of the, there's certain certain expectations that go with that when you put on a West Aurora jersey or, you know, even over to East Aurora. The East Aurora had some great teams. Yeah. Okay. For you, how was your how was your high school experience? I know I spoke on that you were all upstate eight and your team finished third estate. So it sounds like you had a pretty, uh, you know, pretty excellent career. You know, but just take us through your experience, you know, playing for West Aurora and playing for Kirkland. So my junior year, um, I didn't start like the first eight games, I think it was, nine okay. games, came off the bench. And then our leading score got suspended. So I, I got thrown into the starting lineup, ended up being the leading scorer of that game. And uh, ended up starting like the next nine games. I think we won eight of them. We lost to East Aurora who was very good that year, my junior year. And, and uh, we ended up losing the first round in the state tournament, kind of got upset. By, I think it was Wheaton Warrenville South at that time because that was a brand new school, basically. And then my senior year um, started off and uh, we, had, uh, we had James Malone, Raymond Finley, myself, Donald Bacon, um, all of us got a lot of time at ju- as juniors, so we knew that, you know, coming in that we should have a pretty good team. And then David Bryant, who had uh, started his uh, high school career at Aurora West, but his dad got transferred his sophomore year. He had moved back for our senior year. And, um, you know, we had, we had six really good players. And we also had Andy Dockery, uh, rest his soul, he just passed away couple months ago he was he was our uh, first big man off the bench and then yeah we were very fortunate because we had six starters uh we uh you know raymond finley was good enough to start but you can only put five guys out on the floor at a time and um we were a team that we we struggled early i think we uh we went to bloom and uh bloom beat us the very first game of the pontiac tournament my senior year and uh, they had Orrin Gilmore. That was Artis's little brother. Had a couple other guys. And, and we got thrown in the consolation bracket. And uh, we ended up winning three games by uh, 30 points. Oh, man. Okay. Kind of took off from there. Okay. Coach, take us through those East-West games. You know, now, oh, you know, take, you. Us, take us through those experiences. You know, before. <laughs> well, my, my senior year, um, I'll tell you, they were, uh, they beat us at our place. Uh, Melvin Harden, who was a heck of a player, um, he hit one from the hash mark at the buzzer to beat us at our place. Oh, man. Then we go over to their place, and it, it was, you know, one two point ball game. They ended up following me down the stretch. I ended up hitting five, five out of the last six free throws. We ended up beating them by five the second time. And then, the, and then the rubber match was in the sectional championship over at their place. Now that you're, you're talking 1980, those tickets were the game was sold out. They were saying that those tickets were going for you know 100 bucks 
<laughs> you know, because people were trying to get into that gym. Yeah. That game went into overtime, and uh, James Malone, I'll never forget it, and a lot of other people, you know, don't forget it, is that he ended up ripping Cubby right across the 10-second line, uh, Craig Lathan, you know, Cubby. And uh, we ended up beating them, I think, by like two or three to win the section on. And we didn't have any problems in the super section. We beat a, a Rockford team by like 21. And then we uh, went and played Peoria Richwoods the first game in the quarterfinals downstate. They had Doug, Doug Altenberger, who was a sophomore, who ended up playing at Illinois. Um, we beat them by one. And then we ended up playing Uwe Blob, who played in Indiana, Mitch Arnold. Uh, played at Illinois his first year and then transferred to Fresno State his last three years. We were up at halftime, but we had one of those third quarters where we couldn't throw it in the ocean. <laughs> and we got some great shots. So it wasn't like you think defensively. We just, there was a lid on the bucket and we got down 11 and we ended up uh, getting beat by 11. So we had um, four quarters, came back and played in third place game and beat a really good Danville team. Okay. Okay. Coach, during that time, you know, who were some of your favorite matchups that you enjoy playing against? Oh, uh, you know, it, it, East Aurora. I mean, it, uh, Mel, Melvin was a heck of a player. Uh, they had three juniors that year. They had Cubby. Uh, Cubby was a sophomore, I believe. But they had uh, Kevin Avery, who could shoot it. They had Robert Meeks, who could shoot it. Um, the Batavia, you know, had a good good team with the Jenkins Jenkins, uh, uh, Michael, Michael Jenkins up there. Anthony Williams was a junior. St. Charles had a good team. Um, Larkin had a good team. They had a kid that played it. I uh, went to Northern Iowa my junior year. Um, you know, the East, East Tide game, you always got up for it. You know, well, you, it, you know, it was a big rivalry. It was a conference opponent. So you, you always played them at their place. They played you at your place. Um, you know, the Pontiac tournament. Uh, was always a great tournament to go to because you had some great teams. That, you know, it's still one of the better tournaments that are run in the state of Illinois today. Uh, you know, that 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 had a lot of great teams and a lot of great players playing in that. Okay. Um, you know, it was always, you know, you always wanted the bragging rights in Aurora. So, you know, the East Side game was always a special game. For sure. For sure. Um, playing for the legendary Coach Kirkman, you know, what were some of the lessons and things that you learned from him that you took from him that you that you may have used in your career? You know, coach, coach was uh, always had you ready. I mean, fundamentally, uh, you were going to be sound. You were going to play defense. Um, you know, he believed it. In, and that's this is an argument I get with uh, with a lot of the young guys today. You know, they say, well, you know, you're you guys weren't as athletic as is the kids today. And I said, hold up here a minute. <laughs> Remember, we played a system where you weren't allowed to be athletic. You yeah. Know? You know, you, you worked the ball around and you threw it five, six times and, and you really didn't uh, you really didn't press. You know, you really didn't run a fast break. I mean, we had some athletic kids. James Malone was athletic. Raymond F Finley, you know, as a freshman was six one and, and could, you know, just easily dunk it with with uh, effortlessly. And, and Donald Bacon was quick. I mean, we had so we just it was a different style back then. But we had some athletes. For sure. For uh, sure. As far as Coach Kirkman, he just he he was so good at having you prepared for the opponent and getting you ready and and being fundamentally sound and and having you play to your you know your team strengths and your individual strengths and trying not to do things that you know that weren't your strengths. I think a lot of kids get in trouble today because they try to do things that 
aren't their strengths. Yeah. And smart thing is steady your strengths, you know, and develop, develop those weaknesses in the strength. I, I used to always use this with our kids at Wabansi. I mean, the, the, to me, the greatest player ever to play the game is Michael Jordan. I mean, he couldn't shoot the three when he came into the league. You know, yeah. by the time he left, I mean, he was an excellent three-point shooter. For and sure. he had, came in the league, you know, they, they, he had no left hand. Yeah. Pistons always talked about forcing them left, forcing them left. Well, what's he do? He goes and develops his left hand. Yeah. It became unstoppable. Yeah, right? For sure. Um, so after your career at Western World Coach, you ended up at Eastern Wyoming. Um, where also, you know, I spoke on that you led the region in, in scoring. Um, what led to the choice of going to Eastern Wyoming? And was it a culture shock for you, you know, going out there? Oh, it was, well, th what led me to go out there, first of all, was that uh, a former teammate, mine, uh, the year before, was out, already out there. Okay. It, it was a, a Division One JUCO. Um, so it, it was a league out there that consisted of the, uh, all the junior colleges from Colorado, Nebraska, Wyoming, Montana. Uh, so they had a really good reputation for uh, junior college basketball, and then uh, kids going on to Division One and Division Two programs from there. And to your second question, yeah, it was an unbelievable culture shock. <laughs> five thousand people. You know, I used to tell people that my neighborhood had five thousand people. <laughs> uh, you know, just uh, going to the next level. You know, as far as the next level of you know basketball school. Uh, things of that nature. Um, did, did, it, did you have to adapt? Did it take you a while to just adapt to, you know, the different style of play? You know, you're playing for a D1 Juco now, like, you know, the style of play, everything is totally different from the high school ball. Uh, did you have to adapt to it? And if you did, like, how long did it take you to really adapt to just the college level? Um, game, the game is definitely faster. It's, it's definitely more physical, even at, even at the uh, junior college level it was. I mean, the the team that won our region to go to nationals my sophomore year, uh, they went seven foot six nine six seven six five five eleven, mm -hmm. and they and they had four guys uh, go to high major mid major level uh, programs. Um, I think the biggest adjustment for me was is you know I started to, I was a late bloomer so you know, I I I started to get better later in my career. Um, I was all conference as a freshman out there. I think I was our second leading scorer, first in assist. And then my sophomore year, I just it's it just kind of took off. And you got uh, more comfortable. Yeah, I got more comfortable uh, with with getting more comfortable. Obviously, you know, you, you gain more confidence, and, and you're like, you know, I can do these things. And um, and that was before the three point three point line. I think I averaged, uh, you know, close to twenty three points a game out there. Pretty impressive. And then you also transferred to, I'm sorry, help me say that again. Is it? But at, no, actually, so I, so I signed with the University of Central Florida from there. Okay. Oh, okay. And so um, they were a Division two NCAA Division two school at that time, but they, they had told me during my recruiting visit that they were going to convert over to Division one. You know, they, they told me that uh, all my credits were transferring because I uh, graduated with my associate's degree, so I'd come in as a junior. They told me that they played uh, their home games, you know, downtown in the arena, uh, downtown Orlando. Well, all these things turned out not to be true. The assistant coach who recruited me had resigned a week before I got down there. Mm. So that was before the NCAA had five years to complete four years of eligibility unless you got injured. Okay. 
So okay. even though I didn't practice, I transferred out of there at semester time. I only had a year and a half of eligibility with an NCA school. And so my junior college coach, my freshman year was the, was the coach up at Bemidji state and they were an NAI program. And so I had two years of eligibility through the NAI. So that's why that was one of the main reasons why I went up there is because I, uh, would have had two years of eligibility, but since they operate under a different set of rules in the NCAA. Okay. And then you were all conference, you know, at, at that school, how was your experience there? You know, was it different from Eastern Wyoming? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a hockey school. Okay. Um, my, my two years there, they had never been to the district playoffs. So we went both years, my, my second year, my senior year there, we ended up, uh, making it to the championship game of the district championship. Had we won that game, we would have went to the NAI nationals. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was a great experience. And then my junior year, we went and played UC, uh, university of California, Santa Barbara and Stanford. Mm. And I had uh, a really good game at Santa Barbara. I had 31 that game as a junior. And then at Stanford, I think I had 15. Should have mm. had more, but I just, you know, I wasn't not, uh, knocking down shots. But that's what led led to my uh, tryout with the Utah Jazz. Yeah. My, yeah. Uh, my college coach had seen that. I think Connor Henry was a guy that was guarding me my junior year playing Santa Barbara when I had 31. He ended up getting like yeah, I think he was the first or second pick in the second round. Okay. So um, my my uh, coach was out there doing his doctoral program at uh, University of Utah, and had gone over uh, while he was out there for a year and a half working on that. He became friends with the coaches at the uh, with the Utah Jazz. Yeah. And yeah. So that, and that was a time where they uh, had like seven rounds, and then they brought in free agents. Okay. So um, he said, hey, you know, this guy got drafted by the second round, uh, the Connor Henry kid from Santa Barbara. He goes, I got a guy that had 31 against him as a junior. The guy can play. So they said, get us some tape. So they got him some tape. And he called yeah, called me that summer. And he says, hey, you know, I think they're going to give you a call and bring you out as a free agent. Well, then I didn't hear anything for like two months. And then uh, the end of July, I, I got a call from them and said, hey, you know, we want to bring you out. There was a four-day uh, mini session where we went doubles, and uh, they made cuts after that, and I survived that. And then I stayed out there for another two weeks, and um, played in the summer pro am out there. Yeah. And then um, you know I had some opportunities to go over to Europe, but I had just gotten married that summer, and and my wife at that time wasn't interested in going to a foreign country. Yeah. <laughs> so, so was that? That's when I went went back to Wabansi. Okay. Okay. There we go. There we go. That was my next question. Was it tough coach to really come to grips with, okay, this is the end of my playing career. Was that hard to kind of grasp to really understand at that time? No, because you know what? I was still pretty active and I was playing in some pretty good men's leagues uh, back then. Uh, I was, I was going in uh, Westmont had a really good men's league in the summertime. Obviously Aurora had a great summer league over there at McCullough park. You know, outside of the city, that was probably the next best summer league. You know, you got you had guys that were either playing in college or had already played in college. Um, you had some guys that you know had played in the NBA. You know, that come back. You know, like 
uh, Walter Downing was in that. Barry Mines, those, you know, Joliet had a team. You know, you had two or three teams from the Aurora area. You had teams from Wheaton. You had a team from Batavia, Geneva. Um, you know, that was the place to go in the summertime on a Saturday to watch some good basketball. For sure. So For I, sure. I, I was still playing and still playing at a very high and competitive level in these men's leagues until I was – I didn't I didn't quit playing until I was 50. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was getting your workout here, huh, Coach? I was getting my workout here. For sure. Uh, so Travis Johnson said, you know, uh, Coach Ice, he said you got him into coaching and that you should let him ride the bus to all the away games when his brother played, Derek Johnson. He said he yep. sat in the front and listened to all the coaching strategies. Yeah, Let's Travis. go. Shout out to Travis. That's my guy right there. For sure, for sure. Um, growing up, Coach, did you ever imagine that you would become a head coach or get into coaching? Well, um, it was it was on my radar. So when I started my freshman year uh, at college, uh, the, the two professions I was looking at was either getting into coaching, teaching, or becoming a police officer. Okay. So I, I took some classes in law enforcement. And then uh, obviously I took some classes, you know, uh, it, uh, in the teaching area and coaching area and then uh, kind of got a bug for it, you know, like my sophomore and junior year. For sure. Take us through the journey of how you ended up at Wabonzi, Coach. So I, I, I uh, graduated from Wabonzi. Um, the job became available. I was 23 years old at that time. And they mm -hmm. had five applicants for it. And uh, um, it was a just a part-time, you know, coaching position. There was nothing connected to it without it to college. And so, uh, interviewed for it, and um, uh, was surprised that I got it because, like you said, I had no, I had no prior uh, coaching experience. Um, obviously, I had a name that you know, I because I was going to go out and sell the program to the local high schools, you know, the athletes from there, and. Um, Thought I knew it all when I first started. And then the yeah. best, best thing that happened to me is I knew the game of basketball. You know, I, 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 I always had a very high basketball IQ when I played, and I was like one of those, you know, coaches on the floor. Uh, but what I didn't know, and the best thing that happened to me in my career is I hired a uh, former high school coach who had been a high school coach for probably 21 years, Ken Nearing, rest his soul. And what he did is he taught me how to teach the game of basketball. There's, there's one thing about knowing the game and playing the game. And then there's another thing about being able to teach the game so the kids can understand it. And sure. for me, that was the best thing that happened is when I hired him. And he, and he ended up helping me out for like two or three years. Um, but I think you know, early on, I was still so competitive that, uh, you know, I probably hated losing more than the players did. For sure, for sure, competitive. What are what are some of the pros and cons of of being a coach, um, Coach Ice? Well, um, be, being a being a head coach, uh, I think there are pros and cons to it. I, I mean, uh, uh, one of the uh, pros would be you know you, you have the final decision. Uh, one of the cons to it is you always got to be the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> The the, uh, the assistant coach is kind of, you know, you play that, you know, bad cop, good cop, you know. And so um, you, you got to make some tough decisions. For sure. Be accountable. And I think, you know, the thing that I wanted to do is I, I wanted to make sure that everyone felt 
like they were, you know, treated as an equal, uh, uh, that all the rules applied, whether you were my best player, whether you were my worst player. And what I mean by that is, you know, I expected my players to play hard. I expected them to play defense. I expected them to play within the system. And, you know, if you couldn't do those things, no then way. I find somebody else who could. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for you, Coach, when you're looking at a recruit, you know, possibly to recruit, what are what are some of the main factors that you look for um, when you recruit a player and what turns you away from players uh, as far as recruiting them? Well, I think you, uh, what I used to try to look for, and I think a lot of, a lot of college scouts, uh, coaches do this, is, you know, do they make their teammates better? Mm. Now, you, you see a lot of great players out there, but, you know, are they making, you know, are they making their teammates better in the process? You know, that's number one. Number two is, you know, how is their interaction with their coach when their coach gets on them? And then the third thing is you kind of look at their interaction with their with their teammates. For sure. Are they are they being positive? Are they being a leader or are they being negative And, you know, thinking that, you know, they're they're that they're so much better than their teammates, you know, basically, you know, are they, are they picking them up? You know, because, yeah. you know, what I like to see is, you know, what if I make a pass to you and you probably should have called it, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to tell you, Hey, that was my fault because I don't want you to lose confidence in yourself. For sure. Because uh, you know, most of the leaders are confident enough. Right. And our, yeah. our, But if you're throwing it to somebody that's not as good as you are, you know, you don't want them to lose confidence. So those are some of the things that I kind of looked at, how they interacted with their teammates, how they interacted with their coach, and did they make their, their teammates better? For sure. And another thing, too, coaches, I think um, a lot of players and parents don't realize is parents have to stay out of the way sometimes. You know, I feel like some players like to, you know, look at their parents in the crowd and it kind of throws you off and then you have to, you know, reel them back in and stay focused. And I think some parents don't realize that, that you guys pay attention to that, you know, you bet, um, you, and take some off their game. And, and you know, there, there are coaches <clears throat> at the highest level that, that kind of stay away from those players. You know, you bring up a very valid point. You know, they, they don't want that headache. Yeah. Because then it's going to feel like you're, you're not going to be, you're not going to be confident or you're not going to listen to me. You're going to listen to your parents. And then you're, and then when I pull you out the game, then I got to deal with your parents fussing at me. And you know, it just becomes a whole headache. Well, there's, <laughs> there's still some of my guys that are still coaching today. And, and, and some of them are in the division one level. And, you know, they're telling me it's, it's not so much their parents. They're listening to all the wrong outside noise. Yeah. Not listening to the, 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 the coaches. For sure. It's more the I think I don't think it's so much the parents anymore. I think it is the parents when they're younger, you know. But when you when you're talking about you know getting into college, I think it's some of the out uh, some of the outside noise they're hearing from people that you know maybe maybe don't have their best interests at heart. Now, For you, sure, now, you're, For sure. You're winning, but you know what? You should be happy with their winning and the role you're playing. And then the outside noise is saying, "Man, you you need to get some more shots." Yeah, and then you kill the whole flow of the game, but then you're taking bad shots, you're forcing, and then now I have to take you out the game, and then it just becomes a whole headache for nothing. Um, for you, coach, where did you where did you get your style of play from? You know, how do you prepare? For how you go about your games? Uh, just your whole style of coaching. I think I, I grabbed a little bit from uh, a little bit of everybody. I mean, obviously, I took a lot from Coach Kirkman. 
I, I took a little bit from, I had two junior college coaches, <clears throat> excuse me. I took a little bit from, you know, what I learned, you know, from the guys, uh, you know, I used to pick their brain when I was at camp from the Utah jazz, you know, Jerry Sloan was an assistant coach when I was out there who ended up being, you know, obviously the head coach and had a great, great run with the Utah jazz. Rest in uh, peace. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. And so, you know, I used to pick their brain, you know, just we talk basketball, you know, away from practice and stuff. And so I think I just kind of gathered a little bit of it from everybody and kind of put it into, you know, my thought process. You know, I, I was always a firm believer in discipline and accountability. For sure. For everybody, you know, and, and if you don't have discipline and accountability, and I, and I think that parlays not only in athletics, but in, in real life, too. For sure. Um, hard to be successful. And I, and I think the other thing is, you know, it, ba- basketball is a team sport and you can't have individuals. And so <laughs> I used to always promote, hey, man, we got to we got to play as a team. Um, I, my philosophy is I would rather have five guys that are capable of scoring 15 to 20 points a night than having two guys that can score 25 to 30 a night. Yeah harder to prepare for a team that has five guys that are capable of scoring 15 to 20 than it is to prepare for two guys. Cause we used to run into teams like that. Yeah. Running the team. Okay. We're going to deny him the ball and then we're going to collapse on that guy and we're going to make the other three guys beat us. Yeah. Cause you can't game plan for it. You can't, yeah. you just got to go man up and then just take what it comes with it. Yeah. And so, you know, but, so my philosophy was always to have balance, you know, and I, I would rather have, like I mentioned, I'd rather have five guys that could score anywhere between 15 to 20 than have two guys that could score, you know, between 25 and 30. For and sure. it makes it tougher for teams to defend you, makes you more well-rounded. Um, and I, I just think you have more success that way. For sure. For you, coach, how do you stay mentally prepared in high pressure games? You know, um, how do you keep your guys, you know, stay focused to not relax? Because playing in crazy atmospheres, I'm pretty sure you didn't play it in games where, you know, the crowd is into it, you know, you're into it. How do you keep yourself focused and to stay resilient in those moments? Well, I think what you do is you you you, you try to uh, – and I think, you know, the good players, the great players are able to do that. You, you block out the noise. And I always tell the guys, you know, forget about the last play. You, you know, when you make a mistake, you have to have a short memory. For sure. Because the game is so quick, it's always moving on to that next play. And I'll give you a good example. You know, how many times do you see a guy turn the ball over and then he kind of stops and quits playing? Yeah. The action's moving down to the other end. So, you know, in those moments, you know, I used to try to uh, reinforce to our guys, stay in the moment. You can't replay that play, you know. It's over. Have a short memory, and move on. And yeah. If you do those things, I think you'll have some success. And you know what? That's what film session is for. We can go back and look at those mistakes, and talk about how to correct them. But you, know, and, you play in the moment. Yeah, and learn from them. What are some of the most important qualities uh, that you would need to be a successful coach? Boy, you know what? It's it's a different era today. Um, than it was when I coached. I, I, I talked to some of the, some of my friends who are no longer coaching, who are retired like I am. And, um, 
you know, it depends on what level you're talking about. You know, you, 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 talk, you look at the Division One level now with the no transfer rule and the NIL. Um, yeah, 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 different times, yeah. Round, um, and then the outside noise that, you know, are in these kids' ear. You know, hey, you, you should be getting this much money. You know, I, I, I won't mention, but I got a good friend that's still coaching at the Division One level, and, and they're having a, a high high amount of su- uh, success this year. And he was telling me, like, you know, when they were recruiting a transfer portal, you got some guys that were their eighth and ninth man at their particular school, you know, and, and, and you know, they're wanting $200,000 in NFL money. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't realize they go off image and likeness. Like, if they don't know you, you're not going to get you're the eighth, ninth man, you know, <laughs> off, off your, uh, last program you were at. But that's what I'm talking about. That outside noise is in their ear, man. You should be getting this amount. Yeah. So sure. it's, it's, I, I mean, I, it's hard. It's, uh, you know, you, you, I coached in an era where I used to be able to be able to get on kids, you know, and I, and the kids would respond. And now, you know, you, it, you can't get on kids. Yeah. You know, they, they take it personal. We we used to tell we used to tell the guys, particularly my assistants, you know, because I used to get after people, and they'll, they'll tell you that. <clears throat> I mean, I I, I kind of coached like I played. I was a fiery guy. I was an intense guy, and that's kind of how I coached. But the the thing that people didn't get a chance to see is my interaction with my guys away from the basketball court. Yeah. Um. You know, I my, I used to have my guys tell me, hey, you know, uh, uh, uh. Uh, what was the phrase they used to say? Yeah, you're our brother from a different mother. A brother from another mother. <laughs> like you know, I could, I could relate. You know, I was uh, I, I was raised on playing on the playgrounds. You know, um, so, but it, the thing about it is, is you can't get on kids today like I used to be able to get on them. You know, yeah, I used to challenge them. You know, if if I had a coach that told me I wasn't tough. I was going to go prove them wrong. Yeah. Got to watch how, you know, you, 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 some of these kids, they climb into a shell. So I, I just think it's, you know, it, it, there's more massaging of egos today than there was back in my day. And For so sure. you just don't, you know, those they're just not as tough mentally as they were back in the day. For sure. Let me ask you this, Coach. I need your opinion on just the state of basketball now. You know, now you have social media. You know, you have like AAU programs where players are playing with teams like in states in Cal. You have Chicago players playing in California. You got California players playing for New York teams. Like, what is your opinion on just the style of basketball now? Like, it's just crazy now. Like, social media has become just this toxic thing in life now, where like social media is everything. Well, yeah, and it's and it's not it's not just in athletics either. You know, when we yeah. were talking about the social media and how it's you know played played in our society today and i you know it's it's it, it's crazy i mean these guys you know are almost being well i'll give you a good example okay. you got like i said i i made a lot of contacts with a lot of my coaching buddies that were at the high major you know division one level and, and you know they uh they they they'd recruit a kid that played for a uh high major aau program and these kids have been all over the country. So it used to be a big deal when you'd say, hey, you know, we're going to fly out to California and play these guys. We're going to fly out and play Gonzaga and Washington. We're going to go here. That's no longer a big deal to those kids. They've yeah. already done all that stuff. Yeah. And the other thing that 
that it's just not me. I think uh, a lot of the old timers in the in the coaching profession have always talked about this, is that AAU kind of, uh, how do I want to phrase this? I, I was going to phrase kind of ruin that competitiveness because if you get beat in AAU basketball, you know you're playing in another hour. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it used to just tear me up inside when I would see my guys leave the locker room after a tough loss and be smiling and, you know, grabbing their cell phone, looking at their cell phone. When I lost, and, and you know, I talked to a lot of the uh, old-time players who also played college basketball. Yeah, when we lost, we didn't want to talk to nobody for the rest of the night. Yeah. You didn't want to talk to your buddies. You didn't want to talk to your girlfriend. You just went home. You were pissed off. You don't see that anymore. Yeah. Now it's just all, oh, it's, it's all right. Well, yeah. I had 25. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah. that defeats the point, you know, that you guys lost. You're supposed to be a competitor. Like, we were supposed to win that game. You know, learn from it. Now it's just, yeah, I don't know, Coach. It's crazy. I, I think the college game is turned more into the NBA game. I mean, there's everything's a high screen. Let's get downhill. If we can get to the rim, we get to the rim. If the help defender comes over, we kick out to the shooter and shoot the three. You know, there's just there's not a whole lot of, you know, cutting, moving, screening besides the high ball screen. So I For think sure. a, lot, a lot of what you see is uh, particularly offensively is filtered down from the NBA game. For sure. And everybody want to shoot threes now, coach. Oh. You got big men that don't want to post up. They want to be the trailer to get the uh, trailing three. It's just like. Well, L- Illinois lost to um, Michigan State. They they were up eight with five minutes to go on Saturday. And you know what? Instead of putting pressure on the defense and getting to the rim, you know, they, they just jacked up the threes. Yeah, and, and you, you got to understand, I used to tell guys, you know, understand the score, the time of the game, and the foul situation. You know, if you're in a bonus or if you're in a double bonus, put pressure on the referee and put pressure on the defense. You know, if, if you get a good three, you know, but a lot of times, you know, when you're watching that, that particular game I'm talking about, you know, Illinois standing around and then they're jacking up a three to beat the shot clock. You know, they're yeah. not the flow of the offense. So, I, yeah, I just – it's frustrating for me to, you know, kind of sit and watch some of these games. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, for you, you Coach, know, what are – It's changed the game, but I, I think it's almost become, you know, when when I look at stats and I see that, you know, teams, half their, their shot attempts are coming from the three-point line and, and, and uh, uh, you know, they're shooting 26% from the three-point line. The mid the mid range is lost, and, and for you guys that watch the NBA, who lives and dies with the mid range shot? DeRozan does, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's still thirty. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. I wonder why. Like that's one of the easiest shots in basketball. If you could get it, like I think my grandfather told me that if you can if you can develop a mid range game, everything else will open up for you because nobody really looks to shoot the mid range anymore. It's one of the easiest shots in basketball to make. But like you said, it's either get downhill and get to the rim or yeah. shoot three. You know, there's nothing yeah. those two shots. Yeah. And then we got to blame Steph Curry for that, Coach. He just didn't change the whole game. We have everybody trying to do 
uh, uh, look away threes and just yeah. half court shots. It's like, look, you're not Steph Curry, you know. For <laughs> um, you, coach, uh, what are some of the most important lessons that coaching, um, that basketball can teach you that carry into life? Well, that that used to be my, uh, I, I used to try to parlay life lessons into my basketball lessons. And, uh, you know, a lot of that, you're, you're, first of all, you're working within a, the confines of a team, you know, so you're relying on four other people, and actually relying on everybody. Um, there's, there's accountability in real life, right? There's discipline in real life. Um, there's a being your best and doing your best, right? Giving a hundred, hundred percent. Um, so, you know, I, I, I used to always try to parlay, like I said, there's, there's a lot of life lessons that can be used not only in basketball, but in a lot of the, uh, the sporting arenas and, and with uh, different athletes. For sure. Uh, look, Derek, Derek Holyfield said, OG, Blackhawk, shout out to Derek Holyfield. <laughs> Tell him I'm still mad. He didn't come to Wabansi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love those guys. That was a fun team, man, that team in 2000. Yeah, you know, no, yeah, for to, to do what they did to beat East St. Louis in in the semis and then come back to beat that Westinghouse game, man, that was a that was a game to be at, Coach. Huh? It was, it was, and he uh, he ended up going up to Bemidji too. So there was myself, uh, uh, David Lee, who was on that '84 team with Kenny and and uh, Rodney and uh, that group. He ended up going down up there and, and playing all four years, and he was the all-time leading scorer. Derek went up there after I think he went to Eastern for a year and then transferred up to Bemidji State. Okay, 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 yeah. So that's why he asked me to ask him about that. Oh, he said yes, sir. Okay, okay. We're still waiting on get Derek on the on the show. I you know we got to tap into his story too for sure. Um, for you, coach, you've been coaching a very long time. I'm pretty sure you didn't see a bunch of talent as far as player-wise that you've maybe played against and coached against. Do you have any favorite or most memorable uh, matchups, rather than been a particular player that you had to coach against and a coach that you had to coach against? But people always ask, like, who was your best player at Wabonsi? And I'm like, oh, man. I mean, yeah, I, you got so many. <laughs> you know, when you coach 34 years, I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think I didn't see it, but someone said that you had Jared Starwood on your show. Yeah, I just talked to him. He told me to tell you. He said hello too. He he was a guy. He played for me as a freshman. His son got sick, and his son was in and out of the hospital. His uh, um, uh, Jared's freshman year, so obviously that affected him. Then he went to a JUCO camp and played really well. I took him there with a couple other guys, and he played really well. It was in Indianapolis, and then his sophomore year. we were leading the conference and we were on the road playing Moraine Valley and uh, he injured his knee and he got a, uh, I think it was, uh, it was a sprained MCL. So he was out four to six weeks and we still I think we had like three weeks of the regular season left. And uh, we would have won the conference. Hey, he not got hurt. And I think uh, I'm pretty confident we would have went to nationals that year also. Yeah, for sure. But do you have any particular like, player that you remember the most of you was like this guy right here man like there you was know. A lot. i mean there was there was a lot of i mean you know uh, uh david bacon was another guy who played at west aurora 
Um, he, uh, he was, he was a, a first team all American. Um, he was five, nine. He could, uh, he could put it in the, uh, he could shoot it. He could shoot three. You know, I used to throw him down in the block cause he was a big, thick kid. He post people up, you know, uh, some, someone just posted about Mike Leonard, Mike Leonard could play. Mike, Mike was part of that, uh, Jared Starwood team. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, and I had Mike, I had uh, Mike Sims, I had Jarrett. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we were in first place before Jarrett got hurt. Jarrett got hurt, and I think we ended up finishing second in the conference that year. I had a kid from Flint, Michigan. There was five years that I always had at least two kids from Flint. There was a kid named Tyrus Smith that was cold. He was a, a third-team All-American for me. Um, you know, uh, you talk about uh, Marcus Colcroft was a point guard. Yeah, he, there was a kid that uh, didn't have to score, but he could impact the game. Yeah. God, shoot, I had, you know, I had Tyrone in my last team to go to nationals. I had Tyrone Carey there. You know, he was a little bit older. Um, he could play. Shoot, uh, Travis Williams, Darrell Williams. You know, Darrell had Marquette looking come and watch him play when he played for me. Um, oh, okay. I had Mike Thompson out of Flint. You know, um, they're, 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 I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some guys. But, yeah, there's yeah. there so many guys. And then high school, man, you know, you, you talk about something. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, when I was growing up, even though I was a West Sider, you know, I used to go to play in the pickup games, and there would be, like, uh, Sam Suggs, Russell Harden, Rick Rick Robinson. Yeah. You know, those guys. You know, if you were a ball player, people looked out for you. You know, yeah. you know that they, they, you know, they beat on you, and make you tougher, but they wouldn't let anybody else pick on you. Yeah, you looked out for each other. That, that type of thing. Not yeah. Back in the day, but yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of great players come out of West Aurora and East Aurora. For you, Coach, I know you just spoke on that for five years that you had players from Flint, Michigan. I think I heard uh, Jerry Starwood speak about that at the game. What was it about Flint, Michigan, where those players out there that you just had to go get? So um, my old college roommate, teammate, was an assistant coach, and he saw uh, this kid play in an AAU tournament, and the kid didn't have any grades and had nowhere to go, and he told me about him. So I jumped on this kid right away, and he had another friend that was looking for a place, and I've always found that when you bring a kid that far away from home, you're always better to, you know, bring a buddy with, you know, because yeah. at home sick, not so bad. And so Flint, Michigan was like Peoria back in that area. You remember how Peoria had all those good teams in the, this was <laughs> late nineties, early 2000. Um, so I always, you know, I, I'd go up there and try to grab me a couple kids and there was a stretch. And then I had a stretch of three or four years where I had the Miami kids. Mm, okay. Um, we had a wrestling program out at Wabansi, and the assistant wrestling coach had some contacts down in Miami for the high schools down there for wrestling. And uh, the community colleges in Miami had no, no wrestling. So he'd go down there and he'd get some uh, state champions, state runner up with a heavyweight was dating a girl down in Miami and her brother played basketball. So this kid came up and watched the game. Didn't work out for it. Came up, watched the game. 
you know, little five nine uh, guy, and uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to see him play until we started preseason this freshman year. And the more I watched him, I'm like, I was telling Coach Robinson he was my assistant then. And man, I like this kid. He was a hard nosed kid, just like Marcus Cocroft. And those two guys, I tell you what, they created problems for people defensively. And so then there was, you know, there's there's those pockets. If if the kids, if you go somewhere and find a kid and they have success, then the word gets back, and then you you know it kind of feeds a pipeline. Yeah, and you know, okay, well, Flint, we got to get at least two from oh, Flint yeah. every single year. Yeah, and that, and that was uh, Flint was that was during the Mo Peterson and and Mateen oh yeah there. So yeah, Flint was a hotbed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Coach, for you uh, in your career, have you ever had a reality coaching moment where you kind of like you got stabbed into reality really quick coaching? Like you was like, oh man, this is uh, I'm really coaching. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, I don't know if I ever had that. Um, okay. You know, I like I said, uh, the best piece of advice. I was ever given was by my athletic director shout out to him. I mean, he believed in me at 23 years old, Dave Randall. Um, he was my AD for, I think like 31 of those years that I coached out there. Um, it, it, the big thing for him, he, he said, just be yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I think for me as I, you know, as a young coach and being so competitive and not, not, you know, I didn't like to lose. I wanted things to happen success to happen really fast yeah. and unfortunately it doesn't work that way you got to build and establish yourself build a program build a culture but i was at the time i don't know if that this is still true today i was the youngest coach to take team nationals in 1991 i was 27 yeah. now i don't know if that's that was the record time yeah 27 years old um i took a team to nationals the very first team to go to nationals from Wabansi. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, so this question right here, coach, is going to be a little bit different for you. You know, you've seen generations of talent, of talent come in and out of just Aurora and just Wabonzi. But if I was to say, coach, Heiss, I need you to create a top five from Aurora that you've played with. And I need your top five from Aurora that you've seen play. We can do top 10 because I know you've seen a bunch of talent if we have to go to 10. But if we could do five, I need to hear your five. How far back can I go? You're, you're five, Coach, wherever you want to go. I'll, I'll tell you, there's uh, 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 Matt Hicks would be on there from okay. the 1973 team. Um, Melvin Harden. Um, you know, the the, uh, the glue of that team for West High, he was uh, – he wasn't their point guard, but he was like their point guard. He was a power uh, point forward. Probably would have been Jay Bryant. Mm, okay. Um, wow, Ricky Robinson was that mm. seven eight team? Shoot, one, one more. That that's that seventy seven team um, had Larry Hatcher from West High who went to Marquette. Yeah. He, he shoot it. You know, he he probably would have been. You know shooting guard you know, I, I don't think a lot of people even talk about him but he was a guy that they told him they spent too much time in the library and not enough time on the basketball court mm. now he uh 
He's a uh, doctor. Yeah, it so, came. It came to fruition. Off, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, guys that uh, guys that didn't play for me. You know, um, wow. You know, Damian Mason was exciting. Oh, I hear his name all the time on this show. Yeah, just and he loved the game, man. And he, and uh, he just always had a smile on his face. Um, you know, Sean Pruitt. You know, he went to Illinois and had a very successful career. You know, th there's two guys right there. Um, <clears throat> shoot, you had a kid, uh, Mike Simmons, who was a great point guard. Had he yeah. had, you know, he would have gone Division One right out of high school. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think like Derek's team. I mean, you know, they they Derek's team reminded me. Derek Hollifield's team reminded me a lot like our team. You know, they, they had five really good players. You know, they're like I, my senior year, our leading scorer was James Malone. He averaged 13 points a game. I was our second leading scorer at like 12, 12 and a half. Yeah. Four guys in double figures. And then our next two guys were at like nine, eight and nine, seven. Yeah. So guys in, in double figures. But, you know, to get the rest, you know, David Bacon was a heck of a player. You know, you. I don't know if people talk about him enough. I mean, that, that kid could play. Um, wow. I, you know, I'm sure I'm missing somebody along the way, too. You know, there's there's just so many great players. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ryan Bowright. Oh, yeah. Bocho. Off their man, you know? Yeah. Just he just changed the changed the, the, the style of play. He was incredible, coach. Like, I've seen him first time. First time I seen him play, he had the fifty-five point game, and I was just like amazed as a kid, like wow, you know. Well, before him, they had a kid that uh, 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 Raymond Anthony, shooter. Yeah, I don't know if if you ever, you know, if people talk about him. I mean, he yeah, he could shoot it, and he could shoot it from deep, and he could get to the rim, and you know, just it just there's just so many great players that you could go on and on and on and on. You know, it's al it's almost like you got to do it. Uh, uh, by era, you know, the, the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. I would I would do that to you, Coach, but I know it's a little late. I know it's a lot of people you have to dissect through, so we could do that another time. Uh, Like my family, Mimi said, Trev. I think I heard Trev was a great oh, shooter, too. Another one, you know, Trev was uh, our, our freshman year, his freshman year, <clears throat> he hurt his ankle, and so he was lost for a month. We were fortunate enough to go to nationals. We didn't, you know, we, uh, we'd lost three of our last four games, and then we get to tournament time, and then it was just like a light bulb went off, and and we won it with our backup point guard because Trevor was our starting point guard. The next year, I was loaded. Yeah, we were ranked number two in the country. Hmm. We got upset in the regional championship game by a team that we had beaten twice. I've I was. I took six different teams to nationals. I think some of my best teams were teams that never went that either got upset in the semi mm. or finals like Trev's sophomore year. Um, you know, they were, they were ranked, we were ranked as, as high as number two in the country. And then I, in 2004, I think it was, I had a group that was ranked number five. Um, Triton upset us in the championship game to go to nationals. So, yeah, there there could have been another four, uh, four or five, but I, I guarantee you, uh, Jared Starwood sophomore year, had he not got hurt, we would have we would have won the conference and went to nationals.
For sure, for sure. Travis Johnson said, uh, Jay Thomas. I hear about Jay Thomas a lot. Oh, he yeah. He was a great player. You know, people were, yeah. When Dre, uh, when Jay was a freshman, uh, that's when West High used to play at the Moore Shootout. The Moore Shootout used to be the big shootout during the summer months where all the uh, high major college coaches came and people were all over Jay. And then, you know, Jay, Jay senior year, they had five division one guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard he had to kind of take a step back because everybody transferred in point guard. They had Damon they had Sarah Soli. They had Michael Benz from Whitney Young who transferred down. Michael went to Fordham, I believe is Mm. where he went. That was a, that was a situation where I just don't, you know, there was too many alpha. Too much firepower. Yeah, yeah, and, and only one basketball. Yeah, yeah. Man, I yeah, I hear about Jay all the time. Like I said, I was supposed to have Jay on the show. Well, Jay, Jay, was, Jay was a man among boys as a freshman in high school. Facts. A lot of people say he was like an icon, like just how great of a basketball player he was to certain people. Like he just had a crazy fan base of just how he just carried himself. They called him like the Allen Iverson of basketball out here. They were saying like he just. Here, here's what impressed me, not, not only his physical skills, but I think the thing that impressed a lot of those uh, high major programs and when he was a freshman, how accelerated his basketball IQ was as only being a freshman in high school. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that kid that's playing at Bolingbrook and up at Warren right now. Oh, uh, 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 Davion Thompson, I believe his name is. That's the one that, that's at uh, Bolingbrook, right? Who's the yeah, kid num- Warren? Name it's- Number three, right? The left end? Davion Thompson, I think his name is. That's it. I think isn't the Thompson kid at Bolingbrook? Yeah. And then who's the kid at Warren? Isn't it Davis? I'm not he, too sure about that he, one. Yeah, he's. They said he's really good. Really. Oh mm. yeah. I had to do some research on that. Like yeah. you got a couple of former players come on here. Demetrius, you only said my favorite coach. Uh, you know. Yeah. 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 Okay. That, that, that was one of the best atmospheres. That was the very last team I took to nationals. Uh, we had upset Triton. Triton was the number one ranked team for like four or five weeks. And then they got beat the, the last game of the regular season by uh, South Suburban. And we ended up playing Triton because we had yeah, our, our region was so big, you had two different districts. So we ended up playing Triton and upsetting them in overtime at our place. And the oh. gym, gym was packed. They brought in extra bleachers to put them under the rim. Oh man, at Wabonzi? Yep, yep, at Wabonzi. Wow, wow. Is that one of the craziest atmospheres you've ever played in? Oh, uh, yeah. For, for a Juco game, yeah. For sure. Okay. Coach, back in your prime, if you could have, if you had a chance to play against anybody that you would want to play against, rather than, you know, collegiately, high school level, who would you want to have match up against that you didn't get a chance to? Well, I don't know about match up against, but I, I played on the same team as Michael Jordan. Oh, you got to talk about that, Coach. You got to so, talk about that. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, Michael Jordan used to run his basketball camp over at Elmhurst College. And so I worked it a couple of years as a coach. Well, I was still young, 25, 26, and I, was, I could still play a little bit. So I used to bring my gear. Well, he used to bring in all these college uh, uh, high uh, all-star kids that were going to play in the NBA. Like Sean Elliott was there. B.J. Armstrong was there. You know, so he would bring these guys in and they would rough the games of the camp 
and then he'd have open gym at night for those guys. Okay. Well, I brought my gear one night, and so I'm sitting around, and the guys were running up and down, and Mike shows up. Mike goes, I got next. And he goes, I'll, uh, I'll take this guy, this guy, this guy. And it was, and I was one of those guys. Well, let, let me see. We didn't lose, and I threw him an alley-oop dunk. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, hey, that, so that was before cell phones. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's no footage of that anywhere. Oh, no. No. Yeah. So, Coach, you could attest to it firsthand that Michael Jordan is actually a person that is the greatest because he made those around him better. Like uh, he picked guys. Like, he just picked random people. Yep. And like you said, you guys won a lot. So you can attest to it firsthand that he's actually what they say he is. Oh, without question. And, and I'm going to tell you who else from Aurora was like that. He was supposed to play for me, but we just never could get his grades, grades together. And it didn't matter who he picked on his team his team's always won was Skip. I don't know if you, if, you know, he moved up here from Louisiana. He was an all-state player. But you know why Skip's team won? Because they shared the basketball, and he coached those kids, and he had them moving without the ball, and they played defense. But played Skip's, the right way. I, I swear to God, you know, because we, we tried to get him eligible so he could play for us. So he was at a lot of our preseason stuff, and – it didn't matter who he took. You know, he, he'd take some sorry guys, and, and they would win. For sure. Oh, yeah, Mimi said Lamar. Yep, yep. Skip. Skip those guys. Yeah, rest in peace That's, to Skip. Yeah. You betcha. Skip was one of those guys that he didn't, you know, he could impact the game once again without scoring. But, you know, when you needed the winning bucket, he was going to get it. For sure. Okay. Okay. Rest in peace to Skip. Um, for you, coach, if you could sit down, if you could have five dinner guests, dead or alive, anybody to just sit at a table and just pick their brain and just have conversations, uh, who would be the five dinner guests that you would have at your table? Um, basketball wise, I, I'd probably John Wooden would be one. It could be anybody you want, coach. You don't have to be basketball. Uh, anybody you want. Well, I, probably the first one would be Jesus Christ. He'd be one. Um, Martin Luther King would be another one. John F. Kennedy would be another one. Um, oh shoot, maybe John Wooden. Mm. And then, uh, you know, maybe my fifth would be, you know, uh, uh my grandfather on my uh, dad's side. I never got to uh, know my grandparents on my father's side because they uh, uh, both died when he was a child. Oh, got you. Okay. Um, Coach, if I said I can get you courtside tickets to any game in NBA history, what 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 game would you want courtside tickets to, and why? I was already there. <laughs> I used to have I used to split season tickets with three of my buddies during the Michael Jordan era. Oh yeah, I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I saw all those guys. I went. I, I and we were down in that main first section. We weren't, you know, right on the floor, but we were only like, I don't know, a couple rows back. 12 rows up uh, under, uh, behind the basket, close to the uh, Bulls bench. So you've seen all the great, oh, all the great historic oh, games. Yeah. Do you have a favorite one? I know it's tough to kind of pick. Do you have a favorite uh, one? Um, well, we were there. We were there for that game when they, uh, who was it they beat? Was it, um, it wasn't Utah because they didn't, they beat Utah 
at Utah. They beat Phoenix at Phoenix. Who was it they beat um, at their – it was at the, uh, the United Center. So I saw the first three, you remember, were at the old stadium, and then the second three were at the new stadium. Gosh. Was it the Sonics? Did they beat the Sonics at home? For one year? I'm, I'm trying because, you know, they – they won they four won. of them, I believe. I, wonder, I believe they won four of them on the road, if I'm not mistaken. And then they won uh, two at home. Okay. Which one was it, Trav? Yeah, somebody, you know. Somebody, uh, if you know, put it in the chat. I'll bring it up. So, yeah, I was I was very fortunate to, uh, you know, see those great Bulls teams. For sure. So, I know it's probably tough to pick one. Like I said, you just seen them all. You just seen the greatness oh. of Michael Jordan. <laughs> Now, I, I saw the evolution of Jordan. I saw him when, you know, the uh, Pistons used to beat the heck out of him. Yeah. You, you think about, and, and this is what I try telling the young kids today, think about how much Michael would be scoring in today's game. The, the, the way that the Pistons used to beat him up, you know, Philadelphia used to beat him up, Celtics used to, those, those would be flagrant twos. The guy would get kicked out of the game. You know, mm. back then those were just hard fouls. Yeah, Michael Jordan would easily average fifty. He averaged thirty then uh, with all of that. So you add in all the extra free throws. Now you can't touch anybody, and yeah, he would easily average fifty. I I got a trivia question for you. Who was the only guy that he did not outscore in his career? He always had a higher scoring average than. The leading scores from the other teams, with the exception of one player, and the only reason I know that is I just read it today. Let me see, Mark Davis. No, no, he was a guard. He was only like about five ten, and he was a he was tough as nails, and he was a scoring machine. AI. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have got that. I was thinking like Gary Payton, but you said oh, score machine. I was like, yeah. Oh, no. You you, you talk about, you know, pound for pound. Allen Iverson, Isaiah, you know, th those are two tough cookies right there, pound for pound. Yeah. Yeah. And if only if AI could have been a little bit taller. Oh. Scary. Scary. Uh, Coach, I need your favorite, your top five NBA players of all time, your personal favorite. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I tell you, a guy that I think should get conversation in the in the uh, GOAT conversation who doesn't because he, he just dominated the game uh, was Kareem. You know, I think, you know, Kareem was one. Um, wow. My, obviously, Michael. Uh, Magic. You know, and, I, and I'm talking, you know, obviously my era that Carl uh, Malone's got to be in there. Shoot. What I, I need one more, don't I? Yeah, one more. You know what? I just talked about him because, you know, I, I don't think he gets enough credit when people talk about great play. Allen Iverson. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people hold that, oh, he didn't have a ring. I, I kind of hate that debate. Cause it's like a lot of players, yeah, a lot of greats don't win a ring, you know. So that should be held against them. Travis said LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, Magic, Shaq. I think Travis is a LeBron fan. <laughs> uh, I, I like, you know what? I like LeBron. 
you know, I, I think, you know, for him to do it as long as he has, and I, I just think that uh, he's not Michael. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Coach, if I was to say, if you could give advice to your 16-year-old self, basketball-wise, you know, your basketball playing career, what would be the advice that you would give him if you could talk to him now for what you know? Um, probably spend a little more time on my craft. You know, today's kid, you know, they got personal trainers. You know, they, they, they've got personal trainers for strength training. They got personal trainers for skill development. You know, we, we just went to the playground and did all yeah. that. And, and weights weren't emphasized like they are today and not only the way they are today but they're sports specific mm -hmm. everyone you lifted the same way that the football players did that the baseball players did back in the eight uh now you know what they're gearing it the specific muscle groups that you use for basketball or compared to football and then the other thing is like i said the skill development you know yeah our skill skill development was going to the playground and playing against guys that were better than you yeah yeah you had to force yourself to get better you just had to go do it you just had to go do it um another question i have for you coach if you could give your advice to the first or second year coach dave Vice, what would be the advice that you would give him now knowing what you know uh you gotta be patient you know it, it, it's a process um you know i was like i said i i was as a player i was highly competitive um, you know, as a coach, I was highly competitive. You know, I hated to lose. I wanted success right away. You know, look at the bowls. You know, how long did it take Michael to win his first one? Yeah. Process. Um, part of, uh, part of that process is learning from the other programs, you know, and how they do it, developing that culture. And then, you know, not only, um, you know, you got to embrace it. You sure. got to process. Not only do you tell the players to embrace the process, but as, as coaches, we got to embrace the process because it sure. takes time. Yeah, for sure. You know, we live in, we, you know, we live in a society today where everyone wants results yesterday. Well, that's that's not how it works. Not realistic. You got to put in the work. Got to go through the trials and, and you got to have some bumps in the roads and you got to have you know, maybe sometimes where you're not successful, uh, to, you know, to learn how to be successful. Yeah. You have to go through adversity to grow. You have to It's a part of life. Um, the last one I have for you coaches, uh, you know, my platform is pretty much to, you know, share people's stories, to give flowers. Um, if you could recommend somebody, uh, for me to have on the show, uh, who might that be? Oh, sure. You know, I, I I think Rick Robinson, you know, he, he was a great player. I think Matt Hicks, you know, that the, these are some old school guys that, you know, I think, you know, some of the younger guys need to hear about and, yeah. and hear about the tradition because like you and I talked earlier, you know, I'm glad to see Mike's bringing that culture back, you know, that West Aurora culture. Um, I, you know, I, I think it, it was lost with his, his, the guy he uh, preceded because he wasn't a West High guy. Yeah. Um, it's not so much, you know, these kids need to understand not only are you playing for you, you and your teammates, but you're playing for all those other guys to put that uniform on. And Absolutely. That's the same could be said about, you know, the East Aurora tradition too. For sure. For sure.
Well, Coach Ice, I just want to say thank you again for taking time out of your day uh, to come onto my platform. Um, we just want to give you your flowers for what you contributed to the game of basketball, all the lives that you have positively impacted. Uh, so for me and my fan base, uh, we just want to say thank you uh, for everything that you contributed to the game of basketball, and we appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate what you're doing. I mean, you're, 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 you're you know, keeping it alive. You know, Roar Basketball has some great tradition, man. And, and you know, we talk east and west. There's been some great players that have come out of Aurora Central, Marmion, and even Aurora Christian. You know, yeah. you know, Mark Davidson is another guy I had the opportunity to coach and play. Rest in peace, Mark, uh, who was a great player and, and even a better human being. But, yeah, I, I like what you're doing. You know, you're, 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 you're keeping that tradition alive and, you, and you're keeping that spirit alive that, I tell you what, it's uh, Aurora in the Fox Valley area is a special place for uh, high school basketball. For sure. And I, like, I talk to Skip all the time. Uh, being the second biggest city in Illinois behind Chicago, you know, you have to expect that we have the talent. And I just think a lot of people don't know or they were just too young. Like for me, you know, talking to you and talking to Skip, a lot of these guys I didn't know for me just being younger, you know, and we just I've got a lot of just great feedback from doing this. And I'm really enjoying it, learning the culture and stuff like that. So hey, hey before you go, I, I, I forgot to put my man KB on that team. He's got to be in there. Oh yeah, KB. Oh my God. Yeah. Hey, on there, yep. And yeah. That's why I'm getting old, man. I'm forgetting players. No, it... <laughs> <laughs> no I forgot it's... my guy, KB. And so you you you've seen a lot, coach. You know, so it's easy to forget. You know, yeah, so he, he's got to be on there. Jay Taylor is another one. I forgot about my guy Jay. Rest in peace. Yeah. Jay Jay should be in there. Kenny should be in there. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on for this. We. Yeah. Yeah, I it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate, brother, everything no, you're for doing. For sure, Keep Coach. You have a good one. All the best All right. to you. Yep. All right. Bye -bye. All right. See you now.